This episode is brought to you by Blueprint Renovate Program, the program designed to create space in your firm to cultivate mindset change through what you do every day. Visit blueprinthq.com.au slash contact to start the conversation. Welcome to the In Demand Accountant. I'm your host, Sam Dean, and I'm excited to have you here to explore efficient and effective frameworks for implementation of change so we can stay in demand, build business mastery, and meet any kind of disruption that comes to us. All notes and links can be found at blueprinthq.com.au forward slash podcasts. Enjoy the show and get curious on what we can do as an industry going forward. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of In Demand Accountant. Um, I'm Sam Dean, super excited to have you all here today. Today, I'm really excited to have Amy Holdsworth from Clarity Street with us. And as you know, we've been exploring over last week's episode and continuing into the future episodes around some of the beliefs that, you know, that we've been brought up with our industry and have really served our industry well, you know, in the past. And today I'm going to have Amy talk about that too. I find that when when we're really trying to change and, and things that are going to happen, I've always found it very powerful to get outsiders' views of our belief system. So over the next couple of months, I'm going to be interviewing people that while work within our industry, aren't necessarily accountants and can give us some insight on what they see and you know, actually get a little bit of their suggestions too on how we can actually help undo some of the beliefs that have held us so well over the last century or so, but, you know, need to start changing now. So I'm super excited to have Amy with us here today. And I'm going to throw over to her right now and let her give her a little bit of um, a background of herself, where she comes from, and a quick on what Clarity Street's. By the way, I love the name Clarity Street. And I think that Clarity is something that we really need to work on. And I know that Amy does bring clarity into our everyday about really supercharging some of our processes, particularly around the digital space, the practice management, obviously leveraging around XPM and all of those digital things that we want to put in, but we might not be getting the efficiency out of. So I'm going to throw it over to Amy later, introduce yourself, and then we're going to get down some of those beliefs that are blocking us. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks so much, Sam. Um, thank you so much for having me on today. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's going to be a great conversation, I think. As I said, I'm the founder of Clarity Street. Clarity Street was started about four years ago. Uh, we are business frustration extractors, I think is the best oh, way wow. that I can say that. <laughs> we implement systems, processes and cloud applications to improve efficiencies in accounting practices, essentially. So, you know, my experience in the industry, I've had over 10 years of experience working in the accounting industry. I've been a practice manager for a couple of firms. I've been, you know, when Zero first purchased WorkflowMax, which is now known as Zero Practice Manager, I was part of one of the first companies in Australia to actually go and implement that software for accounting practices. So have a really good understanding of how they tick and how they work. Also had a stint at one of the add-ons as well, working at Practice Ignition. So a lot of experience working with accountants around software, but also in practice and how they're obviously changing and adapting to the software. Clarity Street, I guess, was started because of the experience that I had. And, you know, I worked out that there was a real gap in the market. Like there's so many different cloud-based applications these days. 
and each of them is really good at saying this is what I do, this is the problem that I will solve for your practice, um, this is how we will fix this. But none of them really, and it's sort of changing these days, but even still not so much today, um, Like, which is why we're doing you know, why Clarity Street came about is none of them are all that good at saying, well, if you use our product and you also have these three other products in your firm, this is how they all connect together. And this is how, from an operational perspective, you should obviously utilise those systems. But equally with that, new software equals new processes and procedures. So if you are going to adopt our software, you should probably rethink some of the beliefs that you have about and some of the practices that you've got in relation to how you utilise that software. So that's how Clarity Street came about. We worked out that there was a gap and, you know, firms out there, you know, you, you're already spending so much time servicing your clients. Is there any time left to obviously look at your own business and spend the time researching all the apps and spend the time doing all the change management and the training and the handholding that comes with adopting new software and technology? So, you know, that's basically what Clarity Street does is we help accounting practices be better by utilising software so that, you know, they can be more efficient and they can spend more time playing with their clients in the nicest possible way, you know, servicing them and getting, them, getting doing all the things that they want to be doing, which is they don't want to be, you know, they want to be doing business advisory and they want to be doing all of those kinds of things, like basically just being a good accountant to your client. So yeah. that's what we do is that we help accountants, you know, transition essentially. Cool. And I think one of the underlying beliefs that I know I had and that I had to get over and now I'm, I think I'm pretty good at this one actually is but I wasn't, is getting other people in who might be experts in their field. I think we were taught from an early time that we should be the solution provider for our clients and also internally in our businesses. And I don't think this is just an accounting belief. I think it's also a business owner, you know, general business owner thing as well, because business owners generally control freaks by nature. So um, <laughs> that's one of the beliefs that I think we've got, and it's not just an accounting belief, it's, it's definitely a business mindset problem. So, you know, exploring that, and um, Amy and I actually just recently did a, a webinar with another person and around, you know, you getting someone else to help you out. And sometimes it's not about the what, it's about the who and really turbocharging that. And I think that's a belief that we really need to undo because we want to do that in clients' businesses. <laughs> so if we can do it and then, you know, understand, you know, someone like Blueprint, obviously, for the people th side of things and Amy's Clarity Street with the actual, you know, turbocharging the systems and processes, we can learn the magic of doing that and, and the magic of the who in other things. Do you find that that's one of the big blocks or what do you find is actually the big block for yourself, you know, that with, with accountants right now? If you had to pick one that, that blocked you getting into businesses and really helping them out? I think there's probably a couple of different beliefs. If I had to pick one, that's hard, Sam, there's so many. Um, I think <laughs> one of the biggest blockers we get is probably around the, well, we can do it ourselves, so why do yep. we need help? Mm -hmm. And I don't disagree. You probably can do mm -hmm. it yourselves. 100% mm -hmm. you can. But at mm -hmm. what cost to your own business? At mm -hmm. what, at, like, what do you have to sacrifice within your own business to actually achieve and implement all of this software? Like, mm -hmm. don't get me wrong, we're not performing brain surgery here. But what we yeah. are doing is allowing you to still continue doing business, if, not the, yeah. if nothing else, doing better business and more business by being able to outsource it to somebody like ourselves. Because mm -hmm. in order for you to do it, then you have to spend the hours researching how all the applications work together. You have to spend yeah. the time nurturing your team, 
making sure that they've done all the training, making sure that they're comfortable with what best practice is. You have to learn what best practice is. So therefore, that means that you have to do a lot of research and you have to speak to a lot of other firms about what, you know, the best way to do things. And then finally, you also have to remember that you have to nurture your clients through any changes that you implement as well. Because there are changes to the software and there are changes to the way that you'll interact. So if you have time to do all of that, whilst also running your business, then by all means, go and do it yourself. But you didn't yep. get into business to do that. You got into mm -hmm. business to help your clients. You got mm -hmm. into business to, you know, to give really good advice and take care of your own clients. So whilst, yes, you can, at what cost is it to your business versus the cost of getting, you know, somebody, an implementation partner in like ourselves that allows you to still run your business and do more business because you do have that freed up capacity with the, with the changes that you're going to implement. Yeah, cool. I mean, I think one of the things I struggled with when I owned, and I've owned a couple of practices now, and obviously Blueprint HQ is a practice, is that particularly for, you know, the, the accountants that might be into their late 40s into 60s and, you know, you know going back, shifting from what we kind of knew as a desktop server-based era where we spent a lot of money on IT and a lot of money around particularly IT providers and we probably didn't understand the value of that and everything. And then there's this shift of, you know, is, is everyone trying to, I'm not understanding how they're helping me, but I seem to be spending a lot of money and because I've got the hours for dollar mindset previously, I couldn't get that. So I know that that was a part, particularly when we went, wait, particularly when I started Blueprint HQ and I went totally digital, then it was like kind of, well, they're, they're not costing a lot of money. So why should I spend money, you know, here to got over that mindset completely. But is that something that you think blocks? Yeah, I do. I think, I mean, this is a, this is a purely opinion based, like, um, you know, what I think, like my take on it from the industry is, you know, in the nineties and the two thousands, as an industry, I believe that the accountants uh, were, you know, they they weren't taken care of as well by their IT. They they were almost mm -hmm. slaves to their IT providers from the perspective, and also the software providers as well. So, for example, you had to employ an IT company to maintain your server. Yeah. Not to mention you had to buy a server. A server was very hefty and very costly. They had a, you know, they didn't have that much of a lifespan. You had to do consistent maintenance and you had to, you know, you were, there was this constant outlay of cost for an IT provider that, and you were kind of like, what are you actually doing? Obviously, you're taking care of my server. I get that so I can run my business. But equally, you then have the likes of the software providers, the Myobs, the Handys, the whoever it was. You know, I've worked in businesses whereby, you know, if Myob had to do an update, for example, and all of them had the same issues, I'm not just picking and choosing Myob, but all of them had the same issues. But at some stages when they do a major update, your business would shut down for two days because nobody could do anything. But, like, literally yeah. shut down. They had to close the office. That's mm -hmm. two days. Like, if you've got a team of 20 to 30 t team members, that is a lot of productivity and a lot of costs that you've just, you know, flushed down the drain essentially because people aren't working. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think that there is a lot of, for the, the older generation who lived through that, I really do believe that there's a fear associated with it. There's this fear of, you know, like, if I change now, am I going to get ripped off? Like, I feel like I've been ripped off in the past, basically, by yeah. these, you know, software and IT providers kind of thing. So I don't believe that's the case. I don't believe that anybody genuinely goes into a business to feel like that to do that to somebody but you know that I think that there is that kind of feeling that the industry's suffered as opposed to the newbies to the industry who go off and just go cloud this is easy 
I don't yeah. have to worry about it. You know, I'm in control of my own destiny, so to speak, because the software, you know, it's it's easy to use. I don't have to I don't have to buy a server. I don't have to get an IT provider per se to, you know, take care of everything. Um, so yeah. And I think that's a that's a really mindset shift and um I am part of that that generation. I am young though. Very much at the early age of that, yeah. it's still a struggle for me like you know i'm kind of over it but i still have that initial thought of oh shit this is going to cost me a lot of money but i still think that there's that mind shift problem of we are still a little terminal based in our thinking around software so i think you said that nicely right at the beginning in that you know how do we connect all this stuff like we had and i think this is still happening and i don't if you could explain i don't understand why we still have four or five, six databases that don't talk to each other. Whereas I know my, you know, our products are most of them are online and, you know, PI, XPM, you know, all of this sort of stuff and then Zero itself, but the data and the CRMs and everything are online. So I know, I thought that once we sort of move from terminal into the cloud, it's funny, terminal isn't, it's like death, but anyhow, which is <laughs> like that word, if you are, that, you are it's like, that that terminal server. Do you know why it was called Terminal? I have no idea. Maybe my business partner might know, but um, no, I don't have an idea. Mark. Sorry. Yeah, I will. I'll ask him. I'll find out for you. Sorry, just a little bit of a skew there, guys. But from Terminal up into the online space, I just issue because my big bugbear, particularly when I went into the advisory space about 10 or 15 years ago, is how do we link all of these databases together? when they don't talk because you've got this desktop one over here, you know, profit optimizer, show my age, and you know, over here, even the my old products didn't talk to each other. So you had to upload financial data. I don't think that's been solved. Is that a belief problem? It can actually happen? Or is it a, it's actually that the, the software providers, them, the data that's out there, because they do use different languages. So what, what, as someone who connects all the databases, what's your thought on that one? Is it a belief issue that we've got, that we, we can't do it, or is it actually factual? It's a belief issue in all honesty. Yeah. However, there is also part fact to it. I believe uh-huh. it's more it's belief issue from the perspective of it depends on which software applications you choose. Uh-huh. So the fact part is, it does depend on which applications you choose, which will therefore either allow you to connect and have a, a fully integrated application stack, or it mm-hmm. won't allow you to do that depending on which apps that you use. Okay. The belief element is that it can't happen is because I believe that there are still firms out there that will like certain features of a particular piece of software, mm-hmm. but won't like one or two features. And although the, the greater portion of the feature set actually takes care of the problem, there's just one or two elements about a piece of software that they just go, I don't like that. And therefore they decide that they don't like it, they won't use it. And mm-hmm. like they will sacrifice the integration of software because they don't necessarily like a certain feature of a piece of software that will stop them from actually utilizing it wholeheartedly. You know, it might be that the layout of the auto-generated email that is received by the client, they just go, well, it's not in, it's not my font. It's not the colour that I like. It doesn't, do you know what I mean, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or it could be like the invoice layout. I don't like the way that the layout of the invoice is because my logo <laughs> is on the wrong side. And, and the font is not the right, you know, it, it's not the right size or style. And I've, I'm like, my, I love turning around to clients and just going, have you ever had a client turn around to you and say, 
I'm not paying your invoice because I don't like the layout of your invoice. It's not in the correct style. It just, it hurts my eyes to see the logo in that place. No, you never had that. (laughs) No client ever. No client ever has ever not paid your invoice because of the layout of your invoice. And it's just this, like, the, like accountants are hooked on this. And I, I believe it does come back down to the time and cost element, like the, you know, hours and dollars type situation. Yeah. Because for so long, you have quantified your worth and your value based on your time. Mm-hmm. And by putting that on the invoice and making that quite succinct and the detail that goes into that mm-hmm. invoice to, you know, to quantify what you've done and why you're charging that price, that you can't see beyond that, which is the client doesn't care. They care that you've provided a good service. They care mm-hmm. that you've done what you said that you were going yeah. to do. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. They care that, you know, they come to you because they trust you because you provide that element of, you know, like you take care of them. You make them feel yep. secure in their business. So yeah. they don't care about the invoice. But there are a lot of firms, sorry, running back to your point, there are a lot of firms out there that will get hooked on certain things about the software that they just don't like and they forget that for the greater good and for the majority of the clients out there, nobody cares. And does this make your firm efficient? Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. Therefore, get over those teeny tiny little things and you can have an integrated app stack, which is literally what we do. So we can produce a full client life cycle start to end. We actually do Part of what Clarity Street does, we do a day in the life of a cloud accountant demo and we show you how all the applications do connect together. You do have to have a zero-based preference to look at that and to be open-minded about it because at the moment they are the only ones that realistically have a cleanly open API. There are other applications like from a practice management perspective that do connect into zero, which is fantastic. So you can still get that integration but the best one out there right now from start to finish, I mean like full client life cycle, like even to the point where if you wanted sales, like CRM sales overlay, like, you know, lead through to let's send a proposal, let's get the proposal accepted, let's deploy the job, let's deploy the invoice, uh, let's do the work, you know, then you know, we've got the document management solution, then you can nurture the client throughout the process, fully integrated app stack, you can. Yeah. You have to change your mindset, though, and your beliefs around what you do and don't like and what you perceive as valuable from an output perspective versus the client experience. Because I think that's another thing that gets lost is accountants get so hooked on, you know, particular layouts and particular bits and pieces of software. And they forget that the client experience is way more valuable than, I don't know, hypothetically, the cost of a merchant fee that you might have to wear. But you get back tenfold anyway by what you charge the client. Yeah, absolutely. Another belief system, and you, you, you kind of just mentioned it then, the hours for dollars. I find that, you know, we really are seeing when we start working with, with firms, particularly on their business, that the profits are, are decreasing. And I think that when efficiencies come in, even if they, they haven't got as efficient as what you were just saying, we, you know, which is what would be ideal, even if they've gone sort of 55% down that or or even less, they're not taking in this belief that hours for dollar are my hours. They're not then adding to their charge out rates or, or how, you know, if they still want to do that that way, which I still do believe you should have WIP and you should have timesheets to see what your costs are, but not what your revenue is. They're not adding in that costing system. You know, if they right. did in someone like you or they are using sort of PI or, either, you know, and they're only using bits of it, we don't then, we should be increasing our charge out rates by 20 or 30% so 
not worrying about the three point. We need to say, yes, we need to get 3.5, but we also need to get 3.5 on our investments in efficiencies as well and sort of take that forward. So are you seeing a belief, is that that's a belief block there as well? Are you seeing that? Are you um, seeing that they're not increasing their prices, they're thinking about how much it's costing them and they're only still doing that around labour hours as opposed to how much time, money and effort that they spent into getting more efficiency? Yeah. So, uh, look, between you and me, I'm not a massive fan of charge-out rates. I just no, I don't like them. We've got to meet the market where it is. Yeah. That is correct. That is correct. Um, yep. So the things that I, I guess I'm seeing, so it's you have different ends of the spectrum in all honesty. So you've got mm. some, uh, you've got some businesses that really do still charge by the hour, and they do factor in little bits and pieces. Like I've just, we've just recently seen a firm that actually adds in a cost for the software and all of those kinds of things that they utilise. Versus you've then got others who don't take into account any of those aspects and they just go, you know what, this is the value to the client, this is what we've, where we've charged them in the past. But the kicker with that though is that they then look at the hours that are going to the job and they try and drive down efficiency because they're trying, they're basically aiming for an average hourly rate. So you've got the ones that do still charge by the hour from like that mentality perspective and therefore they're probably, some do factor in those efficiencies, some don't. I think it's still a very big mishmash to be honest with you. I don't think that there is one clear path. I'll be honest with you, uh, like, you know, based on my comments prior, we'll obviously work with any clients around this, but, you know, our belief is removing charge out rates from the traditional mindset and, you know, if, if you think the job's going to take 10 hours based on the last three years that you've done the job and it's taken you roughly 10 hours, then charge that price, great. Don't make, have a massive increase because that's how long you think it's going to take. But now it's up to you to increase the average hourly rate by driving down the hours. So get it done quicker because you should yes. be able to get it done quicker, basically. Yeah, yeah. Looking yeah. at, as I said, average hourly rate. So we're, we're probably more a fan of that methodology because, as I said, because when you uh, – so, because when you do fix price, if you do adopt all of these software, the software at the moment, whilst they can definitely take care of every type of billing methodology that you could ever want for an accounting practice these days, there is much more of a push in my mind that if you adopt all the integrated software, that you would be moving towards an upfront pricing methodology for your clients, predominantly mm -hmm. speaking. So mm -hmm. therefore, you have to change your mindset around WIP and the whole WIP concept does change like you st time is still very important 100 percent it is but whip in the traditional sense not so much when you're upfront pricing because it's like well you've already set the price why are we tracking whip from that client do you know what i mean like there's there's kind of <laughs> the price is already set so you know that's just something to be mindful of when adopting these new software is that it is more geared towards a fixed price agreement and therefore you should be you know, learning everything you can to be more efficient at the output so that you can provide more value to your clients, essentially, is how we see it. Yeah, do work outside that and the fixed costs. I mean, I'm still a great believer that you do need to track time because mm -hmm. particularly with new staff and everything like that. But the paradox is, um, and we've just seen it, you know, quite recently too, even when, you know, you have whip on balance sheet and stuff like that and they won't write it. Yeah. It's not money, people. So <laughs> it's not recoverable. I understand where that comes from because, you know, of course, you know, as an owner, owners, you know, own a couple of traditional businesses, accounting businesses before this one, and I understand it. You know, it used to make my heart palpitate when we had to write off whip. But at the end of the day, if you haven't recovered it, you're not going to get it. So, um, Correct. 
get it out. It actually isn't real. So um, that is definitely a mindset. And and I, I bring that one up because, you know, we've just had three, two clients come on board and I understand the discomfort in running, you know, writing it off, but you got to get it out of there. Otherwise you can't, but you still need to track time. And it's like making sure that we're doing this efficiently because if you don't, you're not doing that in your compliance stuff, when you go to advisory, you need to understand the time that these things cost because sometimes some of the work that you might want to do might not be worthwhile because it just takes too long. So, um, 100%. You know, that. but so we're not getting rid of timesheets, but we're getting rid of the methodology as to what the revenue is. That's a big belief system shift that we've got to have. And I think software helps that, but I think we're getting, we're in the messy middle of it right now. Would you yeah. agree? <laughs> oh, 100%, as I said, because there's no kind of like, I reckon one of the standard questions that we ask clients, we're like, okay, so how do you bill your clients? Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you bill them on completion? Do you bill them? And they're like, oh, a bit of a mix. And you're like, all right, tell me what your mix is. <laughs> um, and look, I don't believe that you're ever going to have 100% fixed price from a client, no. like a, a business. No. I don't believe that that's possible because any new client that you bring on, you're always going to have to have an element of discovery, call it, uh, you know, what What does your file look like? What is your circumstances? What is your situation? We haven't done your books before, basically. So, you know, there has to probably be an hourly rate aspect to it. But equally, any current client, there sh also should be realistically no real reason for 95% of your client base. We're very much 95% of your client base, if possible, fix price them. Leave that 5% that are always going to be bespoke. They're either family or they <laughs> or they pay you too much already as it is and you're just like, I don't want to, you know, dry out that crazy right, train. Or they're that, or they're that. that type of, exactly. Or they're that type of client that you just, they've just always paid like that because they're, maybe they're from an older generation hmm. and it's too hard to rock the boat. It's just that, you know, that is a, yeah, you know what, that's also another mindset change as well, actually, Sam, is that the older generation, if you do have a traditionally older base, older client base, that they won't adopt any of the new software. I call BS on that one. Mm -hmm. It's just not true. It's all about how you coach and train and educate your clients, in all mm -hmm. honesty. Uh, you have to spend the time nurturing them, though. But the older generation, they're actually really quite tech savvy. Yeah, they are. And, you know, as long as you step them through it, they're fine. And I think that is definitely a block. I think mo most of the time, and, and we're all we're all guilty of this is if the block is not with our clients, it's not with any kind of external stuff. It's always within ourselves. Would you believe? Yeah. It's the perception around, you know, it's your perception or your fear around your perception of how your client will react rather yeah. than the reality of what will actually go through that whole situation and how your client will react. And yeah, that's where it, it comes from. Hard. Change is hard. Yeah. You know, from <laughs> So anyhow, how, how I always like to leave it off is if we could get quick three tips, not just on software, but um, also, you know, obviously you're a business owner as well. And, and we're talking to business owners or potential business owners or people who will be advising business owners. You know, what are your three tips, particularly at the moment in this changing times? And I think that, yes, disruption has happened digitally and you're right in the middle of that and we're having disruption obviously with the pandemic that's on but I think that's our new norm so um, going forward it's all about just accepting that we're disrupting and software is always going to be disruptive and you know who knows the hell those with our health and our pandemics what's going to happen so you know do you have three tips for people on how to stay sane and from a business point of view? 
Um, from a business point of view, I think how to stay sane. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I'm completely not sane, Sam. So I don't know. I don't know whether it's the right question. <laughs> I think you have to take a risk and trust people. Build up a good relationship with any provider that you're going to yes. engage. That goes for pretty much anything. You have to have a relationship. It's the same as you have to build the trust to actually get good clients. You have to have that trust. So build the trust first before you try and engage. If you are looking to change and adopt new software, understand why you're doing it. What are your current pain points that are annoying you? That Like what is the thing that you do on a daily basis or that you're getting feedback from your team that you're just going, oh, I need to fix this, I need to change that. First mm-hmm. understand the reason why and then look at solutions. Equally saying that though, don't just go, there are so many shiny bright toys out there at the moment from a software perspective, right? So, you know, one of the greatest failures that I think from some accountants that they'll go to trade shows, for example, not so much right now, but they might go to trade shows where there's basically all of the applications that are on show and they'll go up to a particular vendor and they'll be like, okay, I've got this client, I've got this problem. And this solution, whatever the software is, will fix that problem and that solution for that particular client, which is great. But then the practice manager or the director will come back and go, this, I've just found this great piece of software. Let's roll it out for the entire firm, for every client. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, it's probably only going to suit maybe a very small minority of your client base. So, you know, if the solution that you're looking to implement is going to tick 80% of your boxes, like all of the, like, these are, this is what I want this software to actually do. This is what I want it to achieve. If it ticks 80% of all of the facts, it's probably a good fit. If it only ticks 5% of the reason, you know, of the of the things that it's going to fix or a very small percentage of clients, don't implement it because it's probably not, it's going to be one of those things that you pay for and then you're going to get frustrated that nobody's picking it up, basically. Yeah. So that's, that's another one. I've spent all this money on this software and nobody's using it. Oh, um, yeah. No, I can, if I had a dollar every time I've said that. Huh? I, was, I have certainly was the, you know, the cat going after the torchlight, you know, with software early on in my piece, particularly around the advisory, because it was like, oh, put the put the software in and, and you'll be advisor, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And I think not so much in the practice management thing, because, you know, we didn't like change, so we never really jumped around that. But that's such a good tip. And I think it goes back to the the two you said first, like you have to build relationship and it's so important. Trust the people that you're going to do that. And the only way you're going to do that is get to know them and, and you know, make sure that you yes. speak to other people who have worked with them. Absolutely. Because it is a relationship and any kind of supplier or, or thing is a long term relationship. It's a little it's not quite like getting married, but it, it's soon. And then <laughs> that why. <laughs> why are you doing this um, and be very clear on that. And I think that that leads to getting rid of the third thing that you said is, you know, don't jump on the thing, you know, really have clarity around where you're going to have, which is, I assume, how you named your, your business. <laughs> you actually yeah. live in Clarity Street. <laughs> no, I don't, no, I don't. Look, software's an enabler. It, it yeah. all comes down to, like, it, you know, one of the reasons why we get called into businesses is because they're, they're having problems with either their software and just the way that it's being used. And, you know, when we do a discovery with clients, I can tell you now that the software is 90% of the time is not the issue. 10% mm-hmm. of the time it might be the software, but realistically the other 90% is people and process. Who's Absolutely. using it and the way it's being used. They are the reasons why you're having issues with your software, not necessarily the no, software, software itself. I think software... Yeah. Cops a lot of blame. I mean, there's no yeah. software out there that isn't fantastic at what it does. They've spent, you know, every software provider has spent, you know, years and dollars, lots, six, seven figure dollars 
getting the stuff right. So there's nothing necessarily wrong with the software. It's how we use it and a complete understanding of it. I mean, even Microsoft suites are only used to 5 to 10% of their capacity. And mm-hmm. I mean, how long? I mean, I'm an Excel Word user from way back, you know, <laughs> Word Perfect, like back in, in the day. And Lotus, I think, was the first one, two, three. And then it became uh, really I, changed I, said, really I used Lotus. Yes, didn't it change the world? Um, <laughs> but now we're still going, oh my God, I didn't realize, you know, Excel did that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, definitely. And someone will go, no, Sam, that's been there forever. <laughs> Yeah, 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 definitely. So, you know, we don't use it, none of it, because I don't think we understand some of the why behind it as well. So, yeah, it's fantastic. I still think Excel is the best software ever put on the earth because it, it can be as simple as you want, but it can be as complex exactly. as you want as well. But that's my Microsoft dish. Anyhow, thank you so much for the time and the conversations. Always love having having our chats and I'm really enjoying it. For anyone out there, please, you know, consider the who around particularly the digitalization of your software. As Amy said, we're unfortunate to use Zero, but it really is the only one that's at the moment that's <laughs> online. And if you want to meet the industry, you know, stuff going forward, unfortunately you do have to have that capacity. So I'm sure the others will catch up. So once more, thank you so much, Amy, for the conversation and for everybody else, as usual, be brave and continue the conversation. Thanks so much, Sam. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. To check out more information on all things Sandine and Blueprint, go to the website blueprinthq.com.au and remember, continue the conversation and be brave. See you next time.